If the sun rose in the east this morning, and a new poll shows that 79% of Americans support congressional term limits. Hi, I'm Philip Lumel. Welcome to No Uncertain Terms, the official podcast of the term limits movement for the week of August 5th, 2019. Your sanctuary from partisan politics. But this new poll isn't just like all the others. It's what the pollster asked next that's making the waves. U.S. Term Limits Executive Director Nick Tombalides has the details. Hey, Nick. Phil, how are you? All right. Well, I'm looking at the results of a new poll from McLaughlin and Associates. Just came out last week. And it looks like on the surface the same old thing. 79% of uh, American citizens support congressional term limits. <laughs> and that's... Every breakdown you can imagine, that's people in the East, Midwest, South, West, approve of Trump, disapprove of Trump, um, Republican, Democrat, Independent, Liberal, Conservative, college degree, no college degree, every category overwhelmingly for congressional tournaments. Well, we've seen this before. What is, what's special about this poll? Well, what's special about this poll is this is the first time we've seen a pollster actually ask the respondents, what is your preferred term limit? for members of the House of Representatives. Open-ended question. When I meet with politicians, they always tell me term limits of six to eight years, which USTL recommends too short, it's radical, mm-hmm. it's draconian. Oh, yeah, I've heard that. What we really need are 12-year term limits or, or none is what the political class says. Well, based on these results, we can now prove that these politicians are out of touch with the people they're supposed to serve. Because according to this poll, 85% of people believe that term limits for the U.S. House should be eight years or fewer. Or less. About half of them, about half believe in only letting House members do two terms, right? Four years. Yeah. What we recommend at USTL is six, which is sort of right in the sweet spot. But according to this poll, six-year term limits might be too generous. <laughs> wow. All right, let me get this straight because I don't want to get confused with all these numbers. Yeah. The term limit that is in the bills in Congress that we're supporting are uh, three terms or six years. <clears throat> and the politicians generally counter with that there should be six terms or 12 years, right? Three percent of Americans believe with the politicians that the proper tournament is six terms or 12 years. That is unbelievable. And now what you're telling me is that the 85% of Americans say it should be either four, three, two, or one term, meaning eight years or less. Correct. Yes. Wow. I'm surprised by this. And, I'm, and you know, we see so many polls and I'm really surprised. This is surprising to me because we're recommending a three-term, six-year tournament for the House of Representatives and the American people are actually calling for a stricter tournament than U.S. tournaments. I'm a little shamed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, kind of, kind of makes kind of makes six years look a little lame, right? Um, right. <laughs> well, it's it's really fascinating because what it proves to me is that when these politicians brainstorm and decide they're gonna make term limits part of their campaign. Look look at those who are running for president on the Democratic side. Every single one of them is recommending a term limit of 12 years or longer. There's not a right. single candidate on the Democrat side who said term limits in the House need to be shorter than 12 years. What we know from this poll is they didn't develop that opinion by talking to the American people. Because if they had consulted their voters, you know, according to this poll, 84% of Democrats 
believe term limits should be four terms or fewer. If they had consulted with the people, consulted with the voters, they would be proposing something a lot shorter, a lot more reasonable than 12 years. 12 years is a concoction of the political class. It's what's been cooked up in smoke-filled rooms in Washington, D.C. as a way to mollify the term limits movement uh, rather than proposing something serious that would have a real impact. I tell you what, we have made the argument on these podcasts over and over again why shorter limits are better. And usually we're arguing six versus 12. The people's limit, which we consider to be six uh, versus 12 years, it is so clear that the Americans are in our corner and then some. Another thing I'd like to add, just looking at the uh, the demographic data in this poll, one, one thing we've highlighted on this podcast before is that women are more likely to run for office when there are term limits because they see their career paths as less linear. They don't want to become career politicians. What's interesting about this poll is women actually prefer shorter term limits even more than men do. 74% of women who were polled favor a term limit of six years or fewer versus just 60% of men who think the term limit should be six years or fewer. And women overall across the board supported much shorter term limits than men did. 9% of women believe there should only be a one-term limit for Congress, no re-election at all, versus 5% of men who believe that. So these really are uh, stunning results uh, across the board. Let's hope people are paying attention. This is a public service announcement. Bait-and-switch is a classic ploy for both swindlers and politicians. The politicians know that the people want congressional term limits, and they also know that the people are right. So the politician nods and smiles, makes the case for term limits blandly, and then rolls out a plan for outrageously long term limits that defeat the whole purpose of the reform. Around the office, we call these Nixonian term limits after Richard Nixon, the 37th president of the United States. Here's the former president in 1991, showing how bait and switch is performed by a seasoned pro. Would you limit the terms? I would. Of uh, Senate and House. I would. The founders expected, and it proved uh, that this, this did not work out in practice, uh, that uh, people would not serve in Congress over extended periods of time, that there would be turnover. Uh, and I think it would be healthy in today's world, in which events change so much, to bring in new generations of leaders. Uh, and so in this instance, with the presidency limited to eight years, the House certainly should be limited to 12 years, uh, the Senate may be to 18 years at the very most. But I don't see the Congress ever passing it because uh, uh, they, they have a vested interest in the status quo. Hi, this is Scott Tillman, the National Field Director with U.S. Term Limits. On June 17th, Nick Tumbalides testified about congressional term limits in Washington, D.C. Both Democrats and Republicans are co-sponsoring this legislation. SJR 1 in the Senate was introduced by Ted Cruz, and HGR 20 in the House was introduced by Representative Francis Rooney. We now have 63 members of Congress co-sponsoring and sponsoring the resolution for a term limits amendment. Please contact your representative and ask them to sign our pledge and to co-sponsor HGR 20. And please contact your senator and ask them to sign our pledge and co-sponsor SJR 1. Pledges are available at termlimits.com. In related news, on Capitol Hill yesterday, the Senate passed a bill to increase the spending caps, suspend the federal debt limit for two years. This was a deal that struck between President Trump and the Democratic leaders. And what this would do is add an additional $324 billion uh, to the national debt, suspend the debt ceiling until July uh, 2021. 
um, and it passed by a vote of 67 to 28 in the U.S. Senate uh, with support from leadership in the Democratic and Republican parties. Uh, What was interesting about this uh, from a term limits perspective is that there was a significant variance between how the senior Republicans voted on this, those who had been in the Senate and been in Washington the longest, versus how the newer members voted. It was like night and day. I ran the numbers yesterday. What we found was among the Republicans senators who'd been in Washington 25 years or longer, 100% of those people voted to bust the caps and add $320 billion in new debt. Wow. Among those who've been in Washington 15 years or more, 90% of them voted to bust the caps. But among the Republicans who'd been in Washington fewer than 15 years, only 32% voted to bust the caps. So what we're seeing is, you know, Democrats run for Congress and they're very open and transparent about the fact that they want a more robust federal government. They would like, uh, you know, more spending, more uh, transfer programs. That's fine. Republicans run with philosophical differences. They say they want to be fiscal hawks. They want to reduce the debt, reduce the deficit. What we're seeing is for Republicans who've been in Washington 25 years or more, for for 15 years or more, that's all rhetoric. Um, That's all talk, no action. Only the Republican senators who've been in, in Congress for a short time actually held to their fiscally responsible principles and values. That's interesting. And it also, uh, there's a classic study done on this subject, again, looking at Republicans because they run on a fiscal conservative uh, platform. It was a study done by the Cato Institute in which they looked at the voting records on all these key spending issues among Republicans. And they saw that exact phenomena, that those that had been in office less than six years, which is, of course, our recommended tournament, voted for, say, cuts against increases, pay increases and other things. And those that have been there longer voted for more spending. And obviously nothing has changed over this period. No, it's really amazing because whether you're a senior Republican or a freshman Republican, they all run on the platform of cutting waste, reducing federal spending, getting debt and deficits in line. I mean, Mitch McConnell runs for reelection on that platform. And right. yet when a deficit bill comes down the pike that would add $320 billion, billion with a B, to the national mm-hmm. debt, it gets rubber stamped by the career politicians. It's not surprising to those of us who follow term limits, but it is interesting to look at this divergence in voting patterns between those who have been in Washington, become complacent, as opposed to those who are still connected to their constituents. Inside a broken clock. Alan Johnson Jr. is co-founder and chairman of termlimitpledge.org and serves on his board along with director Stephen Bosch and veteran political consultant Dane Waters. Their website describes them as a nonprofit, nonpartisan congressional reform effort. The group emerged this year, reviving an old strategy to obtain tournaments, but giving it a modern technological twist. We spoke to Johnson at his home base in Seattle last week. Hey, Alan. Thanks for joining us. Hey, Phil. So I am excited about what I'm hearing about this uh, new organization, termlimitpledge.org. I want to talk to you a bit about it for our listeners, and I also want to uh, be careful not to create any confusion, too, because, you know, U.S. Tournaments, who is the producer of this podcast, has pledges also. And so just to set the table here, you know, Alan, that we have a pledge that we give to Congress members, asking them that if they are elected, they agree to co-sponsor and vote for the Tournaments Amendment to the Constitution. And then we have one that we bring to state legislators. 
And we ask them that if they're elected, that they'll co-sponsor and vote for the tournaments convention bills in the state legislatures. But you have a pledge. What exactly is it, and how does it differ from what we at U.S. tournaments are doing? Yes, this is our biggest challenge, Phil. Uh, our, our pledge is uh, we only go to the voters. We, we do not go to the candidates or to the incumbents. Okay. Uh, the concept is that the voter uh, sends a pledge to his or her candidate, mm-hmm. and uh, the pledge they send commits the candidate to uh, limiting his or her own term in office if they're elected. Okay. In other words, uh, they, they agree to serve only uh, in the House it would be three terms, in the Senate it would be two. Okay, so it's a self-limit pledge. It's a self-limiting pledge that the candidate signs. And, of course, the motivation for signing the pledge is to get a a bump in the election. And we we have some really good research that shows uh, the probability of a 4 to 10 percent bump when the pledge is signed. When it's signed, it's returned to the voter, and the voter becomes the voter sponsor, and he or she sends it to us. And we put it online and publicize it to whatever extent we we can. I see. Okay, so you're not doing. You're not really getting involved in any politics. You're just talking to people and having them. Uh, you're empowering the people. Is what you're doing. We consider the term limit pledge a tool to empower the voter to take direct action in helping to choose uh, the candidate. Okay. And what inspired you to, um, well, what inspired you to get involved in the term limits movement? And then also what led you to this specific strategy? Well, I've believed in term limits all my life. I mean, all my adult life, um, because it's in keeping with what the founders intended. Mm -hmm. And we we want citizen politicians that will come to Washington uh, and come under the motivation of serving the people. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, then go home. <laughs> right. Some kind of a mystery why it hadn't happened over the last two hundred and something years, but it hasn't. Right. And uh, it, and it needs to because we currently have career politicians. Fifty mm-hmm. percent uh, of them, by the way, are millionaires, and these career politicians uh, almost by definition are, are motivated to uh, look after their own interests rather than serve the interests of the people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we want, we want to shift this over to citizen politicians, and it just makes sense from uh, the concept of government of the people, for the people, and by the people. Right. Well, let me ask you this. Um, last week I was at the uh, Freedom Fest conference in Las Vegas, Nevada, and we're pitching the idea of having these uh, congressional amendments passed in Congress, and bragging about how we had the first congressional hearing the last 20 years, uh, last month. And, you know, everyone's for term limits, of course, as you know. But the challenge I always get is, well, wait a minute. That's a great idea, but, you know, those guys are never going to pass term limits on themselves. <laughs> now, that, we always have to field that question. So I'll ask you, what makes you think that legislators will agree to term limit themselves? Well, the leverage is to get elected. Yep. You know, 90% of the incumbents get returned to to office. Mm -hmm. It's very hard to unseat an incumbent. Mm -hmm. If you can get a 4 to 10% bump in in your attempt to unseat an incumbent, that's pretty big. Yeah. 
That's a pretty big incentive. Where does that figure come from, that 4 to 10? My associate here, Steve Bosch, spent the last 15 years of his life doing uh, market research for uh, major companies such as Apple, Coca-Cola, Hewlett-Packard. And he he has developed a method of uh, research that uh, he, he goes out and talks to people, and they don't even know they're being interviewed. <laughs> and, he, and he has talked to hundreds of people. So where you, what you get is a really authentic polling information. Mm-hmm. And he's done that kind of research on this issue. And that's what he comes up with. And it's pretty compelling, and it's, it's very powerful, really. So you guys are online. I know you're brand new, but you're online as of right now, correct? That's correct. We are online. Termlimitspledge.org. You've done a really good job with it, and I'd urge everybody to check it out. And also to tell your legislator, hey, or your member of Congress, we want term limits. If we can't, we're not getting it in the terms of an amendment, we want you to do it to yourself. Yep. Yep, that's right. And, Phil, let, let me direct your attention to a quote that we have on the website by uh, Mark Twain, mm-hmm. who, who said that uh, congressmen are like diapers. They should be changed frequently and for the same reason. Yep. <laughs> That's a winner. Yes, sir. And, Phil, uh, thank you so much for giving us this uh, opportunity. They're called term limits. Looking for an exemplar of condescending witlessness? Take Steve Bennon, producer of MSNBC's Rachel Maddow Show. Please. Last week, I praised Democratic presidential candidate Tom Steyer for endorsing term limits, while Bennon panned him at the Maddow blog, calling term limits a gimmick. So when Aristotle argued for mandatory rotation in office, that was just a stunt? I imagine most term limit proponents mean well, concedes the snooty Bennon about congressional term limits whopping 82% public support. But he goes on. Whether they appreciate the details or not, forcing experienced policymakers out of office, even if their constituents want to re-elect them, has an unintended consequence. Inexperienced officials inevitably find themselves more dependent on outside groups and lobbyists. Are we supposed to believe that lobbyists and special interests are being kept at bay by Congress's current careerists? Supposedly appealing to an underlying principle, Benin then maintains that there's simply no reason for the federal government to impose arbitrary constraints on voters' ability to choose their own members of Congress. Oh, that's really rich, as if the federal government is dictatorially cramming term limitation down the throats of poor politician-adoring voters. Bennett notes that Steyer is not the only Democratic candidate endorsing term limits, acknowledging that Beto O'Rourke has also proposed the reform. Actually, there are eight more Democratic presidential candidates who have voiced support. Those candidates are New Jersey Senator Cory Booker, former HUD Secretary Julian Castro, Maryland Congressman John Delaney, New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio, New York Senator Kirsten Gillibrand, former Colorado Governor John Hickenlooper, Massachusetts Congressman Seth Moulton, and entrepreneur Andrew Yang. Mr. Bennon's sophistication boils down to the tired slogan, 
We already have term limits. They're called elections. That may fly for the insiders at MSNBC and in Congress, but the vote the American people most want is on a constitutional amendment for congressional term limits. This is Common Sense. I'm Paul Jacob. For more Common Sense, go to thisiscommonsense.com. You know, I look at government spending as a very loose proxy for the success of lobbyists um, in the sense that most lobbyists, by far most lobbyists, go to Washington to lobby Congress for some spending or some special favor from government to benefit some special interest that hires them, right? It goes without saying. And so the more that the government spends really shows that lobbyists are being very successful in persuading them to spend, right? Of course, there's exceptions, and, and of course, there's good and bad spending, etc. That's why I'd say it's a loose proxy. But greater government spending is in some way a sign of lobbyist success. So when you look at these numbers, that this back-of-the-napkin numbers you put together for us here, you can see that in effect, too. Those that have been in Congress for a very long time are much more interested in satisfying lobbyist interests and requests than those that just arrived. It's, it's absolutely true. Um, lobbyists always go to politicians asking for more, not less. One metric that uh, has been used in Florida to measure the influence of lobbyists under term limits has been, has the government of Florida grown on a per capita basis over the last you know, 30-something years since term limits were implemented? And it's been found that it has not. Overall, the states that have imposed term limits have been able to restrain the growth rate of government, which would seem to indicate that they've effectively put a check on lobbyists' influence. Uh, whereas Washington, the spending is just continually cascading out of control every year or every other year. Uh, so I, I think that is a very important indicator. And um, it probably explains why every time term limits are on the ballot anywhere in America, lobbyists do all they can to stop it. Thanks for joining us for the 51st episode of the No Uncertain Terms podcast. Next week is our one-year anniversary. We appreciate you and other tournaments activists sticking with us as we learned how, through trial and error, how to put together a weekly show. We're in this fight to win, but sometimes we'd like to take a break and have some fun. So please tune in next Monday as we bring you a special anniversary episode, which includes our first ever Scammy Awards. Be seeing you. If you like what you're hearing, please subscribe and leave a review. The No Uncertain Terms podcast can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, and now Google Play. The Senate may be to 18 years at the very most.